you losers. You trash. Welcome to Football Another F-Word. I am your host, Michael Gillum. Uh, today, it's just Mike Herndon and I. We are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Articles, podcasts, videos, all covering Middle Tennessee Pro Sports, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come get a premium membership today. Mike, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Despite, uh, you know, the the Titans' last few performances here, uh, you know, I took a, a – honestly, I took a – weekend hiatus from football i didn't watch any football at all over the weekend and it was yeah. glorious like it, i didn't watch any college i didn't watch any nfl i just needed a break i needed like a mental enema after that thursday night game and it was uh, exactly uh <laughs> exactly what the doctor ordered as it turns out it was a mental enema is exactly what the doctor ordered i'm like you the the Titans Thursday night disaster was, was just that for me for football. First off, that's the most angry I've been about a Titans loss in, in quite a while. I was verbally yelling stuff and and for the audience listening at home, I I live by myself. So I can only imagine what it sounded like to my neighbor as I was, I was pissed. Um, But I'm like you, I took the weekend off from, I think I maybe watched a couple minutes of a college game on Saturday, spent the entire time watching the masters, took a glorious masters nap. Like I do every year, um, <laughs> watched more of the masters on Sunday, but just tuned out. I, I did have red zone on at one point, uh, had a couple of bets in on the games, but that's it. I really, really didn't want to pay attention to it. Um, and we're going to get into exactly why we had to take a break from it. Because the Titans were a disaster on Thursday night football, an absolute mess. The Colts embarrassed the Titans 34-17, and it just didn't eat. The first half of the game felt relatively normal. The Titans come out of the locker room and absolutely stunk it up. Um, <clears throat> Mike, why? Where? Why are we here? You know, <laughs> I, I think, I honestly think in this case, it's relatively simple, right? So, the Titans played a good first half. They were, you know, mostly controlling that first half. Um, you know, led 17 to 13 at the half. But the wheels just completely came off. And it was that series right on either side of halftime when the Colts had uh they had a seven, let's see, no, 15 play uh drive right out of the half, and they had had a 13 play drive going into the half. So they controlled the ball or held the ball for 28 consecutive snaps uh, where the Titans offense was on the sidelines on either side of halftime. So in real actual normal time, the Titans offense went an hour in this football game without stepping foot between the lines, which is kind of crazy. And I feel like that really kind of disrupted the rhythm of the Titans offense. They came out and of course the next time they touched the ball, they're on their own one yard line because the Titans had just stopped the Colts on that fourth and goal uh, at the one big play. It kind of felt like at that moment that this was going to be where the Titans turned the corner and maybe, you know, got back on top of this game. Um, and instead they get to a second and one, uh, just a couple plays later on the 19 or 20 yard line and then get stuffed with Deontay Foreman, which I thought it was, probably bad a bad idea to not give it to Derrick Henry on either of those plays on second and one or third and one and then of course the third and one was the bootleg to Tannehill who the 
the Colts saw this one coming all the way and and Danico Autry came and got him and he just barely wasn't able to pull that foot out but I'll be honest with you there wasn't anybody open on that play anyways um so the Colts read that thing like a book um and then you get the shank punt and then you get a, a quick touchdown you get a three and out a block punt for a touchdown and all of a sudden the wheels are off you know it, it yeah. it's as quick a sequence as that that from the sack to the blocked punt it goes from the titans potentially driving to go up two scores to being down two scores and it was like maybe 10 plays in between so i i don't know that it was that the colts are that much better than the titans i think the titans just self-destructed all of a sudden it just it was a terrible sequence and it just goes to show you special teams while they will rarely win you a game they can absolutely lose you a game i mean if you just aren't sound enough to block people on a punt uh it's just a disaster i mean that's terrible it's absolutely terrible and and all of the rage i think should be directed towards the titan special teams more so than either the offense or the defense right now I, you speaking of the bookend segments you were talking about with the Colts, basically keeping the the Titans offense on the off the field for quite a while. It really reminded me of the way I felt in the Steelers game when the Steelers offense kept, you know, they were keeping the Titans off the field. At one point, the Titans had been on the field for like 81 seconds in the Steelers game. And that's the exact feeling I was getting with the Colts of, oh my God, here we go again. This The Titans team seems to have such a hard time of recovering from just their offense not being on the field for a while. And the, and our the Titans' pitiful defense just cannot help themselves. And once the offense gets on, it's just like they've just, they've been sitting on the bench too long. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a rhythm thing, I think. I feel like it's when you're out there and and especially with an offense like the Titans where everything is based off of something else and it's all kind of counterpunching and this play looks like this one and this play looks like another one and and they're able to kind of sequence those and layer those and that's really when you get linebackers head spinning and they're looking for Derrick Henry and all of a sudden you're hitting a play action crosser behind them. And then they're they're worried about the crosser, so they're step late and getting to Henry, and and it all really works. But you've got to be able to run plays. You know, it's, it sounds simple, but you've got to be able to run a volume, a certain volume of plays, uh, to be able to layer that stuff in and really effectively be keeping them off balance. And and when you can only get on the field for, uh, like I think it was, yeah, five snaps in a thirty something snap sequence and in over an hour worth of actual time it's tough to really kind of do that and you're also giving the Colts defense a tremendous amount of rest while your defense is on the field just sucking gas uh just stuck out there and and it's the defense's fault that they're stuck out there to be clear um but it's it's just that that sequence was such a killer um and it totally swung the game I, I felt like this was a competitive football game Titans first four drives. I mean, they moved the ball really well. In fact, the the one drive where they were actually stopped in the first half was the play where AJ Brown drops a easy 70 right. plus yard touchdown, which he, he, I swear he caught that ball twice and dropped it yes. twice, um, which you won't see that very much from AJ Brown moving forward. I don't think so. It's kind of a freak deal, but of course, of course it happens against the Colts. No, of course. And that's, it's, I, I 
I've heard multiple radio shows say this. We're the same way. The woulda, coulda, shoulda is not a game I like to play. But that A.J. Brown pass, he doesn't drop that. I, I feel like that's a momentum keeper. I feel like that's another drive that the Titans score on and coming out of halftime that could swing the entire momentum of the game. But that's not how it went. And you've actually got a great article up at broadwaysportsmedia.com um, titled Ranking the Titans' Problems from Most Fixable to Least Fixable After a Thursday Night Debacle. And that's where I would like to start with our punter, Trevor Daniel, which breaking news, we are keeping Trevor Daniel. The Titans have elected to release Ryan Allen. I wasn't on Twitter much yesterday, but I did catch you tweet out, you've released the wrong guy. Let's start there. Why are we keeping Trevor Daniel? I have zero clue. I mean, zero. Now, the blocked punt, I don't think it was necessarily on him. Maybe he could have had a little bit more urgency trying to get the ball off when he saw pressure coming up the gut, but when you just don't block one of the guys uh, that's rushing from the Colts, bad things are going to happen. Um, but the 17 yard shank was absolutely on him. And you can argue that that was really kind of the moment where it went from, you know, that was an opportunity. The Titans had been backed up at their own, own goal line and they'd gotten out of it and they had a chance to punt. They were punting pretty deep in their own territory, but a really good punt. Like say, say he booms one out, like, like Ryan Allen did uh, against the bears for, for 60 yards. You could flip field position, put the Colts back in their own territory and maybe have a chance to get a stop or at least maybe kind of slow the Colts down a little bit. Instead, the 17 yard shank comes out. I think it's the shortest punt of the 2020 season so far. And, uh, you immediately put the Colts back on the field in the red zone, basically. <laughs> and the defense, you could feel the defense deflate from that, right? I, I felt like it was just kind of like, oh, great. So we we work our butt off to get off the field, and now we're back in the shadow of our own end zone immediately again. Thanks a lot, new punter. Um, but it's uh, – I have no idea whether keeping Trevor, Trevor Daniel. Now, I did see um, – I think it was John Glennon. Uh, tweeted out that there is a chance the Titans actually add Ryan Allen back to the practice squad and let Allen and Daniel compete it out during the week and then elevate one of them to play uh, against Baltimore. So there is a chance that Ryan Allen still ends up punting this weekend, but it's just not as a part of the 53-man roster, which this is the last week that they have to be without Brett Kern. I, I think Kern is at least eligible to return against the Colts if he's able to physically. I don't know what his injury uh, you know, status is, so it may be a situation where he still can't return against the Colts, but there's at least a chance. And with them releasing Allen, I would think that they must think that Kern has a pretty good chance to return pretty soon because you can only activate guys from the practice squad to be active on game day twice, and they've already done it once with Trevor Daniel. This would be they could do it this week with with Allen or Daniel, but it's it's kind of a a weird deal. But I have no idea why why not just what let Allen you, kick again. What in the world do the Titans need to see out of Trevor Daniel again? You have game footage from Ryan Allen, who played really well against the Bears, punted really well against the Bears, and then Trevor Daniel, who off your article had a punt for 47 yards one for 17 yards congrats went right out of bounds we won't even blame the the block punt on him but 
you had one successful punt. What more game footage do they need to see? Are they going to see something out of practice in Trevor Daniel that they didn't see in the game that's going to make them pick over Ryan Allen? I don't understand that. That That's what I'm kind of wondering, too. Because, I mean, obviously, that's, that's the reasoning and the justification that they gave was that, oh, well, that Trevor Daniel had a great week of practice and we wanted to use him instead of Ryan Allen based on practice. And I've heard some people mention that Ryan Allen had his punts against the bears were really good, but they were also in the middle of the field and kind of set up some potential return situations. Well, guess what? I would rather set up potential return situations than give it to them for 17 yards. I mean, (laughs) just, I don't care if it, if it, if it's in the middle of the field, if it goes, you know, 60 yards. I understand like you, you would want to angle it towards the sidelines either way, but you can't punt it 17 yards. I don't care how good you were in practice, uh, but it, yeah, I guess the practice, he must just be Ryan Allen must be the worst practice punter of all time. And Trevor Daniel must be uh, like Ray guy out there. Just like absolutely like cracking like 80 yarders and landing them on a, a dime inside the one yard line or something like that. It's, it's absolutely insanity to me, and it's 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 one of it's one of the most baffling decisions. Like I, I get accused of defending John Robinson a lot, or of defending the Titans, uh, I guess Brass a lot, Be- but it's because I I see the logic most of the time and where they're going. Like I like I can see one plus one equals two, or I can see where they're going, what they're seeing. And I can understand that. So I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt if I can at least understand it. I do not understand it with this. This makes no logical sense. I don't care how good he is in practice. This guy sucks, and he should not be allowed to punt again. Like, I, I just – there's no situation where that should be happening. It, I know I, I know a lot of people were joking about it on Twitter, and you had a great tweet of people keep calling the, the Titans the Patriots of the South. They really should be the Phoenix of the East – But in all seriousness, does this have anything to do with Trevor Daniels and his personal ties? I can't listen. I I don't want to say this because I I'm I would be so disappointed if this was actually true. But when I listened to John Robinson talk about Trevor Daniel in the Titans pregame radio show, I was listening uh, before the game against the Colts. Really, John Robinson, when he was asked about Trevor Daniel, talked more about how cool it was for a kid from Dixon, Tennessee, who grew up a you know a Titans fan, to get to punt for his hometown team after being after driving for FedEx, you know, the week before. Like he talked a lot about the story, and I almost I almost feel like John Robinson got a little bit enamored with the idea that we're gonna get this. Uh, we're going to get this punter that's that's from 10 miles down the road and and use him. And it's going to be this cool feel good story or something like that. And just throw them in there. Like, I, I hate to think that he might've made a decision that important um, based on that, but uh, I, the way he talked, it just, it just seemed like he was very <laughs> like enamored by this whole, like it was like a, a bizarre fetish with with having a local punter gross gross you know what i want to throw out one little fresh jab at him since he's he can't listen or i'm sorry he he can listen but he's not here to defend himself uh we got into a little mini argument off not 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 on podcast not on uh not on this show but uh 
he really wanted us to consider Takaris McKinley, who was released by the Bengals after failing a physical. So you know what? Sorry, he's Vic Beasley 2.0. Zach, I can't wait to discuss that with you when you come back. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who could have foreseen this? The, the, the guy that got released, the former first-round pick that got released in the middle of the season by the team that drafted him, turned out to not be a great guy or a great find for the Bengals there. Poor Zach. I love you. I, I mean that in all jest. Uh, let's, all right, let's get back to, um, let's get back to what we were discussing. Point number two you had in this article was the drops of things that, again, we're talking about the most fixable to least fixable problems that the Titans have currently. Number two, you have drops. Yeah. So drops, I feel like are almost going to correct themselves. This has not been an issue for the Titans uh, in the last couple years now. Now it was before. Um, and I know Corey Davis has some, he is prone to some concentration drops from time to time. So he's, he's kind of the one guy that you kind of expect this from on this roster, but otherwise you won't find any more sure-handed in general than AJ Brown or Anthony Ferks or, um, guys like that, that we've seen drop a couple passes here, uh, in the last few weeks. So I don't think this is going to be a big issue um, moving forward. I think it's just a kind of a fluke thing, and, and this thing will happen to teams from time to time. But I, it it's hurt them. It, it's hurt them for sure, especially the long one to, to Brown. Um, and then they've also had a couple of them come on on you know pretty key situations. So, and frankly, against the defenses that they've played recently, and we can talk a little bit about that more later. You can't afford to give them too many breaks because these are really good defenses that they faced the last few weeks so number uh number three you've got steven gostowski which again is one of those situations where not quite as baffling as the you know reason to keep or you know the the understanding that the titans are keeping trevor daniel but i'm starting to kind of not really understand why the titans are sticking with gostowski yeah i'm, I'm starting to struggle with that as well i mean it's it's a bizarre situation, and I know there is an explanation that um, Titans Film Room, Justin Graber, has floated um, in previous weeks that part of the reason that his, I guess, field goal percentage is so low is that the Titans have been really good in the red zone, and because of that, they don't kick a lot of field goals from short, so that he's not getting the the kind of easy layups, and maybe that's affecting his psyche a little bit one of the interesting things when the nfl moved the extra point back from you know it was like 19 yards previously and now it's i think 33 yards um when they moved the extra point back field goal percentage actually went down with it a little bit um for a year or two and the explanation that i've heard that that kind of makes the most sense is because kickers are no longer getting that it, it's kind of like when you make a when you're shooting basketball and you see one go through the hoop it's just kind of that like mental reinforcement of okay I made that one you, the confidence kind of builds and that leads into being able to make more shots and stuff like that and sometimes you know they talk I, I grew up a basketball player so I can kind of like this is how I mentally relate to kicking but it's like if you're in a shooting slump a lot of times the coach will try to get you an easy shot, even you know a layup or just something close to the basket, just to kind of get you to see the ball go go through the hoop, get your mind off of that last miss, and and maybe get you going. And so that's kind of, I think, 
part of Goskowski's issue is that he doesn't get those layups. Uh, so he does not get the opportunity to get the confidence kind of going. Um, that being said, you got to make the kicks that you're given, you know, it's, they're, they're not going to guarantee you that they're all going to be easy or, or anything like that. And, and he is missing entirely too many kicks. He leads the NFL with eight misses uh, this year. And it's just not, it's not good enough. And, and the weird thing is he's got plenty of leg. He can make it easy from 60 and he's uh, the, when the ball comes off his foot, it looks pretty good. Like it's, it's coming off at a good traje- trajectory. Um it's not just like, you know, you see, you see some of these kicks and the kickers miss and it's just like this knuckleball or, or just kind of wild miss hit. You don't see that most of the time when he's missed, he's just kind of just pushed it right. And that seems to be kind of his bugaboo there. Um, and uh, I don't know how you fix it, um, but Giorgio Tavecchio is not a bad kicker. And at some point, I think you almost just have to try something else just for the sake of trying something else because it's right. not getting better right now. And you just can't let a whole season go by and have him miss 15 field goals while you wait for it to magically fix itself, you know? Yeah. And I, I have sympathy for kickers. I know people, a lot of people like to joke around that kickers aren't people in fantasy football. Kickers are not people. I've come to that realization. My, I'm fine with that. My, my brother. But, yeah. But, <laughs> but in, in, in football, Kicking is one of those weird things where you're pretty much combining the game of golf with the game of football and into where the mentality of you're sending this man out on the field who has to be unrattled, not in his head and just feeling the flow and make this field goal. And like you said, seeing the ball go through the hoop, seeing the ball go through the uprights, if they start to get out of that rhythm, it sucks. And I can imagine it's hard to get back into that, but at, over the halfway point into the season, at some point, your patience, I would have hoped has run out by now, but the Titans, for whatever reason, are going to stick with Kostowski. And look, I, I just, I hope whatever mental, mental gaffes, whatever, whatever's going on in his head, he's correcting it or has corrected it because the Titans are, as we're going to get into in just a bit, it's do or die mode. The Titans can't afford little mistakes right now going forward. Um, speaking of mistakes, you've got number four special teams gaffes, which obviously we just discussed a big one with old shank leg Daniel over here, but what's going on with the rest of the special teams? So, I mean, it's, it's not even just the kickers and punters, uh, here lately, which obviously kind of get the main focus of the special teams, but, um, the blocked punt I thought was on David long, pretty clearly just missing his uh, man in punt protection. They nearly had several others blocked um, in recent weeks. And it seems teams, cause teams don't always come after punts, uh, you know, but it seems like at least the last two weeks teams have sensed or picked up on some sort of, I guess, weakness or uh, kind of, area where they can exploit the Titans punt protection and they are coming after the Titans punters. And maybe that's just because they know they've got new punters, new, new long snappers, and they think maybe they can catch them being just a tick slow, getting the ball off. And that may be the explanation, but the punt protection has not been good uh, regardless of new long snapper, new uh, punter. So, and then the long snaps have not been good. Obviously, Bo Brinkley had his issues that now Matt Overton has actually been solid the last two weeks. 
uh, as, as a long snapper. So that seems to have improved while everything else has fallen apart around it. But it's, it's been everything. And, and then the punt coverage, they gave up the long return to um, uh, Ray Ray McLeod against the Steelers. They've, they've kind of, they've just allowed too many big plays in the punt return game, particularly um, in recent weeks. And that hurts them. I mean, they, they give up a relatively long return against the bears too, I believe. So, and then on the flip side of that, the Titans are allowed to make big plays in the return games themselves, but they never get them. Never. I mean, we had one uh, long return by Khalif Raymond against the Bills, I believe, was the only really significant return game play that they've made. Um, they did have the nice kind of fake reverse to start this past game off with uh, Cameron Batson um, that kind of got them off on a good foot there, but it just even that I think got them to like the 35 it wasn't they got into Colts territory or anything like that it's it was just kind of a mild good return which felt like a great return because the Titans never do anything in the kick return game so I think they've got it doesn't have to be great like they don't have to turn this into the best special teams unit in the league but it's got to at least be not killing them you know <laughs> you just can't have the yeah. the situations where you punt it and you basically get no yards out of it you've got to at least be able to competently punt the ball in flip field position at a very baseline level uh if, unless you're just gonna be perfect on offense and defense because you can't have out of the three phases you can't have two that are epically failing at the same time there's just no way you're gonna overcome that yeah, no, that's not that's not happening. Um, let's let's get down to the bottom half of your list, which is the least fixable items, uh, and you've got coverage as one of those that's that's on the least fixable side. Yeah, so coverage, it I think it's fixable to a degree. Um, Dory Jackson coming back will help this team and. There is, if you want to hold on to a shred of optimism for the Titans defense, I do think Adoree Jackson and his speed and his ability to play press man coverage gives them a group of corners that they can line up and they can play press man with and feel pretty good about their matchup. So Butler is really good in press man. Uh, Adoree is really good in press man. Desmond King is really more of his own guy, to be honest. So I don't know how he fits into that or if they might look at going to Fulton in certain situations uh, whenever Fulton does get healthy. But eventually you would think maybe that that will open up some additional coverage options for them and that maybe they just simply don't trust Breon Borders and guys like that in man coverage, um, even though Breon Borders has played pretty well. Um maybe they just don't trust him as a coaching staff to match him up in man and just let him go. Um, and that's why we're seeing all the soft off zone stuff that is driving the fan base crazy right now, but it's not just the corners either. Jayon Brown and uh, uh, Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro combined to give up 16 catches on 18 targets for 166 yards against the Colts. Uh, according to PFF charting, that is really bad and and it's it's a situation where all three of those guys at one point were really considered to be strengths of this defense and now they're 
just not playing well. I, I just, and I just don't understand. Like Jayon Brown had rebounded a little bit and seemed to be coming on. Um, and he had a very tough assignment in Naheem Hines. So I, I understand there's very few linebackers in the league that will cover Naheem Hines, who used to be a college wide receiver um, and is one of the more explosive receiving backs in the league one on one out of the backfield. But you, you're used to seeing him put up a better fight than he did. He was uh, the biggest culprit out of that group. I think he gave up seven catches uh, in 70 something yards um, in the game in, in coverage. So Dory's not going to fix that. They need the guys in the middle of the field to create more problems as well. I mean, the linebackers, the safeties, they've got to get the middle of the field solidified in addition to getting some help on the outside. So we've got about two minutes here. Um, I, I do want to talk about the pass rush because now we're getting to the bottom of the list of things that are least fixable. Pass rush is one of those that really, really concerns me with this team. Yeah, there's no white knight coming, right? So like uh, Adoree, you could you could hope that maybe Adoree fixes the coverage. Um, there's no there's nobody coming to fix the the Titans pass rush. It's going to be the guys that they've got. Um, Landry. I think we know what he is at this point. He's just okay. Um, he's a guy that, that's got a good speed rush against certain tackles. He's probably going to give them, uh, you know, fits over there because of that speed dip and rip kind of move uh, against other tackles that can handle that. You know, he's going to struggle. Um, fortunately for the Titans, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the next segment, the next tackle they, they face is a guy that he potentially could um, have some success against, but and then you've got Clowney on the opposite side um, who's playing with some sort of meniscus injury that apparently was bad enough that they considered surgery um, prior to last week. Obviously, he ended up playing, and I would assume that he'll be playing moving forward at this point. It seems like they've decided to just manage it. But chances are he's going to be less than 100% for the rest of the way. Like, he's, he's not going to be at his full capacity. And Clowney's played injured pretty much every year of his career. So he can still be effective playing through injuries. He's a tough guy. Um, so I think he still gives you something, but he's, this is not going to be this dominant pass rush all of a sudden later in the season. I think your biggest hope is that the coverage gets better and gives them more time more so than the pass rush getting better on their own. Least uh, the, the item that you think is least fixable at this point is the Titans pass protection. Why is that? So. Kind of like uh, the pass rush, there's, there's not a, a white knight coming in. And in this case, uh, the Titans actually, if you listen to some of the reports that are floating out there from, from credible sources, it sounded like they tried to trade for Riley Reif, uh, the Vikings left tackle at the trade deadline and didn't end up getting a deal done, obviously. And that's likely related to how much of his salary they were going to have to eat if they did uh trade for him and and how that would impact their cap moving forward but the fact that they were trying to trade for a tackle tells me that they don't fully trust Ty Sambrello at left tackle and Sambrello has played okay over there like he has not been awful um by any means but you can tell they don't fully trust their tackles by their play calling by what they're doing with their uh backs and and their tight ends asking them to chip a lot and that is going to limit some of what they can do offensively for the rest of the season. If you don't trust your tackles and if you don't trust your pass protection, there's, there's a lot of 
stuff that comes off the table, right? Some of those longer developing uh, play action shot plays that the Titans have really come to rely on to create explosive plays. Those are tough to, to execute when you don't have tackles that can hold up against pass, pass rushers. Your third down uh, packages suffer because really you're, you're trying to get the ball out quick and everybody knows you're trying to get the ball out quick. And so they sit on the sticks and, and make life difficult for your receivers. There's a lot of kind of ripple effect stuff that happens when you just don't trust your tackles fully. And I think it's pretty clear that they don't at this point. Now, I don't know. And, and everybody wants to see Isaiah Wilson at some point this year. I don't know if we will or we won't. Um, you know, obviously he's been working. He seems to be stacking at least positive weeks together now um, for the first time since he's been here, which is a good development. But I, I don't know how bad Ty Sambrello has to play for them to pull the ripcord and say, we're going to play Isaiah Wilson at right tackle and flip Dennis Kelly to the left because you're then impacting both sides of the line. And to add, Matt, add to make matters worse, you've got Saffold, who's currently banged up. You had Ben Jones come in and out of this, uh, this last game. Uh, even Dennis Kelly, I think, has been dealing with a knee injury um, since, I believe, Pittsburgh. So the Titans have been banged up on the offensive line. Uh, and a lot of teams are, it's not really an excuse, but it does affect how they play offensively, obviously. And, and the hope obviously is, is the interior guys get healthy. Sambrello continues to settle in and maybe you trust them a little bit more as the year goes on and you kind of are able to ride it out. But I, I don't, I think it's, it's impacting the way that they can call games as well as the way that they're working in individual matchups. Yeah. The long loss is, is brutal and, and continues to be brutal. Um, you can read this entire article um, by Mike did a great job with this at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go check it out. Uh, again, the article is titled ranking the Titans problems from most fixable to least fixable. Um, definitely go check it out. We really like it. So, um, to shift gears a little bit, Titans are at Ravens Sunday at noon. The Ravens will definitely be looking for revenge on that one for the Titans, um, putting them out one and done last season in the playoffs, which last season now feels like 14 years ago. Um, to quote Paul Karski on Twitter, the Titans are currently ninth in a seven-team AFC playoff field. Their next three games are against the three of the teams ahead of them, which again, are, <laughs> I, I, I cannot believe that the Browns are being listed ahead of the Titans in the playoff picture, but unfortunately they are Ravens, Colts, and Browns are the Titans next three games. Um, just how important is it for the Titans to get a win against the Ravens, to get a win out of the next two out of three, to just shift the gears in the next week? Yeah. I mean, it's huge because you're looking at really, uh, you know, you're, Primary objective still, I think, is to win the division and, and get at least a home playoff game and, and hopefully kind of creep up the uh, pecking order in the AFC in general. So if you look at just the next two weeks as, as a segment, Titans have the Ravens, Colts have the Packers. So really tough matchups for both of the, the top teams in the AFC South. They're still tied at six and three, so it's, it's kind of right there, anybody's game. And then they have the return match, obviously, in Indy. Uh, the week after so you could see either team really kind of get a death grip on the division over these next two weeks with 
a combination of two wins and and losses from their opponent, right? So if either team is eight and three and the other one is six and five coming out of this next two weeks, I think that obviously that team is a prohibitive favorite at that point to hold on and, and win the division because the Colts would ha- obviously have the tiebreaker over the Titans if they beat them in Indy. And then the Titans would likely have the tiebreaker. They would only need to beat one of uh, either the Jaguars or Texans in the back half of the season to have the tiebreaker tiebreaker over the Colts if they beat the Colts in Indy. So it's it's obviously huge these next two weeks. And, and it's huge for the Ravens, too, this coming up game. They are kind of on a skid. They've lost, uh, I believe, three um, – or they've lost two of their last three uh, their other loss coming earlier in the season against the Chiefs. And this last loss to the Patriots, this is not a very good Patriots team. Um, and yes, it was a slog and, and a downpour and everything else like that. But this Ravens team is, and the offense particularly, is not what it was last year. Um, and they are at risk of not making the playoffs at all as well. They're kind of in the same boat with the Titans there. So the hopes of catching the Steelers, they absolutely have to win this game. Then they have to go beat the Steelers next week. So their backs against the wall, the Titans backs are against the wall, which should make for this being a really fun uh, matchup and kind of a opportunity to get off the mat for one team. And and really the other, the, the loser is going to be in a bad way um, heading into the, the divisional matchups for the next week. So you had, um, you'd put on Twitter that the Titans DVOA matchup um, shows that, I mean, you got, you got another battle uh, offense. You know, the Titans are ranked third, Baltimore 24th, defense, Titans uh, 24th, Baltimore 6th, special teams, uh, t- Titans are 31st, it's lovely, Baltimore 2nd. Um, let's start with the offense. What what are the Titans, uh, how, how is that matchup, what is Baltimore failing at on offense? So it's a lot of things, right? And and I think it starts with the offensive line. Uh, They lost uh, their best offensive lineman uh, during the offseason. And the guy's name just popped out of my brain, but um, uh, I'll think of it later. But anyways, they they lost their best offensive lineman from really the past like decade uh, last offseason. They just lost Ronnie Stanley, who was who had kind of taken over that spot as as their top offensive lineman for the season, and they f- had to flip their right tackle Orlando Brown to left tackle to replace him, and then they've had additional injuries along the interior as well. So they've got a lot of guys playing out of position, a lot of guys not playing very well right now. So it's a banged up offensive line. They just lost tight end Nick Boyle, who's their best blocking tight end for the year as well. They're really kind of down to, they used to have like four tight ends that were among the best in, in the NFL, or at least like high end kind of starter type players. Now they're down to one. It's Mark Andrews and that's it. So, and he's not the blocker that, you know, Boyle and, and some of these other guys were. So they don't have the blocking up front to pave the way for that. Just, you know, unstoppable uh, Marshall Yonda is the name of the guy. I was trying to think of a minute ago. I knew it would pop back. In yeah. the brain. Um, but they don't have the blocking to pave the way for that running game that dominated last year. And so that's putting more pressure on Lamar Jackson. And frankly, he just hasn't really kind of stepped up to, up to the plate. 
I don't think his receivers are that good. Listen, it's a cry for help when you're signing 33-year-old Des Bryant, who hasn't played football in three years, and, and putting him on the field. That's a cry for help at the receiver position. So I don't think – I just don't think this Ravens offense is, frankly, that talented right now, which seems crazy to say after what they did last year, but they've suffered a lot of major losses. Um. Titans against this Ravens defense. It, do you feel like this is a game that the Titans can excel against the defense? Or the, do the Ravens present problems? You know, but I don't know. I just my brain stopped in the middle of that entire. I was going to keep going. I'm going to stop speaking now. Yeah, I do think. Um, so there's a couple of injuries to to really keep an eye on for this one for the Ravens. They had uh, Brandon Williams, their talented nose tackle, uh, out last week, which played a big part in them getting gashed on the ground, as well as Calais Campbell, who is still playing at an incredibly high level um, for them. And, and obviously, Titans fans are very familiar with him after he terrorized them in Jacksonville over the last uh, several years. So if those guys come back, this is a very tough matchup for the Titans because on the outside – Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, I don't know if Jimmy Smith will play either. He's been dealing with some injuries. So, but if he does, that's about as good as a cornerback trio as you're, you'll see. And they're physical. They're able to match up with kind of the physical Titans receivers. And I think it could make for a tough game uh, for the Titans passing attack. And we saw that happen in the the playoffs too, right? The Titans really kind of leaned on the ground game and, and, dominated the Ravens in the trenches in that matchup. I think they can do that again if Campbell and Williams are out. However, if Campbell and Williams both play, that task gets a lot tougher because Brandon Williams is the kind of guy that Ben Jones has struggled with, especially recently. Ben Jones had easily the worst game he's had in probably two years, I thought, against the Bears. He just was getting pushed back by Daniel McCullers, uh, the Bears enormous uh six foot seven 350 pound nose tackle uh, and Williams isn't quite as tall uh as McCullers but he is about as big and he's certainly as strong so I think those two are honestly uh, you hate to say like it's all gonna ride on on that as far as who has the advantage in this matchup but I feel like it really does. I, without Campbell and without Williams, this is a Ravens team you can absolutely run on. They're small. They don't have really great run stuffers outside of those two. The linebackers are young and light. So I think this is a group that the Titans could push around if they're without those two big bodies in the middle. Do you expect to see more usage out of Derrick Henry? I know we've hinted around at the last couple of shows that you know, Henry has not been used as much. I'm, I'm assuming this is more of kind of a, a resting segment, keeping, you know, Henry healthy for the later half of the season. We're now in the later half of the season. Do you see more Henry use in this game? I think, I think so, just because I really do think even if, even if those guys are healthy, I still think the way to win this game is to beat the Ravens on the ground. I don't think you want to be airing this thing out, uh, you know, 30, 35 times. And I think that means a heavy dose of Henry. Now, it'll be interesting to see uh, the Titans did designate uh, Darrington Evans for return this week. So there's a possibility they'll get their third round pick back 
before this game, there's also a chance that he misses this one and is back the following week for the Colts. Um, obviously, he has that 20 day, 21 day window, which Titans fans are now very familiar with. Thank you to uh, Adoree Jackson. Um, but they uh, they have at least put him on the track to be activated. So, I and I don't know who loses their spot either when he does come back out of McNichols and Foreman because previously in the season they were really kind of using Evans as a pure Henry backup like they've used Foreman as the last couple of weeks but Evans skill set also would lend lend itself to playing some of the McNichols role so I, it's going to be very interesting to see how they figure out the backfield mix once Evans does return but I think I think it's a Henry game I think they need to lean on him I think this is a game where the next two weeks are games where Hey, if the big guy has to take 30, 35 carries, the big guy's got to take 30, 35 carries. I mean, I'm sorry. These games are must win at this point. You got to go out and take care of business. And, and you know, you can worry about the end of the season at the end of the season. And the Titans, yeah, may have found themselves in a must win situation, which kind of baffles me based on the way the season started. But it, 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 we are what we are. We, and, Unfortunately, it's the it's the entropy to nine and seven, like we've discussed. I know people don't want to hear it. That's what it is. It's the entropy. Um, we got sixty seconds. What do you what do you expect to see? Just just throw it out there. Do you think the Titans are going to come out explosive, blow your head off? It's going to look great, or we're going to get more of the same. Listen, I I think the biggest takeaway or the biggest reason for optimism is if you look at what Vrabel has done in games when he's had ten or more days to prepare. Aside from that weird first, his very first game of his career against Miami when they had the seven-hour rain delays and and stuff like that. We don't talk about that anymore. And and they lost to Ryan Tannehill, by the way. Uh, Aside from that game, they have won seven straight games with at least 10 days to prepare, and they have only one of those games did they not win by more than – or by at least two scores, and that was the Broncos game when Goskowski missed like seven field goals. So. this team has played very well with extra time to prepare. I think you see a pissed off Titans team, a pissed off Ravens team, but I'm going to give the edge to the Titans, even against maybe my better judgment because of the extra time to prepare and then being able to get a little bit of a buy to figure out some of the stuff that's gone wrong the last few weeks. Good. Very good. I like it. Uh, that's going to do it for Mike and I today. We are brought to you again by broadwaysworthmedia.com. Go check us out. Uh, appreciate you listening as always. You have been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.